1: Free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homeshef.com slash locked on. That's homeshef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life, homeshef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
2: Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. What do the teams you root for, your music playlists, and your podcast feeds all have in common? Spoiler alert, they're a reflection of you. And that's what the State Farm personal price plan has in common too. It gives you options to help personalize your coverage so that you can protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you, so you can see more of yourself in everything you love. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state, options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary.
3: What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere. Visit highland.com.
2: What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. John Kegley had a late night getting back from the game, so he wasn't able to meet up with us on this one, but he will be on the next show. We are three writers from San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers for four seasons now, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly, and this is our second season with the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, well, where do we even start? Another misery Monday following a Chargers game, depending on how you're looking at it. If you were down with the tank, then you've definitely liked this game. But losing to the Raiders is never fun. If you are a Charger fan, it's their most hated rival. And on Sunday in a stadium that was absolutely filled to the brim with Raiders fans. I mean, I guess I shouldn't say filled to the brim, but most of the fans there, about 90%, John Kegley said, were Raiders fans. I mean, you have the play where Phillip Rivers has to call a timeout because it's too loud in his own stadium to get the call on fourth down. Just an absolutely terrible game if you're a Chargers fan, wanting them to win in this game. So we're going to start with that to start today's show and just talk about the Chargers and what they did wrong and how bad this game was before getting into the big plays that forced the Chargers to lose this game, before getting into our fan voicemail segment at the end of the show. We have Lamlock calling in about the curse, and we also have Nick from Colorado calling in about some changes that need to be made. So... Let's go ahead and get into it. This is your Locked On Chargers lead story. I'm Daniel Wade, joined by David Drogemeyer. The Chargers fell to the Oakland Raiders 24-17 in quite possibly Phillip Rivers' last home game as the Chargers' starting quarterback in a game that the Chargers got off to a very slow start and were unable to recover once again, but nothing was working for the Chargers on Sunday. The Raiders went down the field and scored a touchdown on their opening drive. You have Rayshawn Jenkins missing a big tackle that leads to a 50-plus yard touchdown by Hunter Renfro, the wide receiver, from the Raiders on a big catch and run. They let Derek Carr go 26-of-30 passing In this game with a touchdown and no interceptions, which is a very efficient game. The Raiders manhandled the Chargers, especially in the trenches. Once again, the Chargers lose a game that they really shouldn't lose to a team that lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who you beat 45-10 to a couple of weeks ago, yet we saw the terrible Chargers team that we've seen in many of their bad losses so far this season. And Not only did they spoil the chances for the Raiders to get into the playoffs, but they made it so they could get into the playoffs just
4: a really bad performance by the Chargers i mean it just it seems like a carbon copy of all every loss we've seen this year i mean they start out slow on offense they get two penalties right back to back to start the the day on offense and it's just it went downhill from there they they could never overcome the, those missteps i mean Their futility, you know, to start the game was absolutely unprecedented. They just could not move the ball down the field. They tried to run the ball. They got, they got stymied at every turn. They finished this game with 19 yards rushing. It's absolutely abysmal. I don't think I've ever seen a game finish with less than 20 rushing yards on the game. It's impossible to have offensive balance when that happens. And, because of that, the, the Chargers defense was on the field all day long and the Raiders, to their credit, they made the necessary adjustments and they really made the Chargers pay.
2: They did, and Phillip Rivers didn't turn the ball over in this game, which is something that happened in the first game. Three interceptions in the first one, one of them taken back to the house, which was a big reason why they lost that game. Phillip Rivers doesn't turn the ball over. The Chargers don't turn the ball over, and it just still wasn't enough because of the slow start offensively. Punting on their first five drives of the game, only two first downs on the first five drives of the game, That's just not going to be able to get it done. And it does start with the running game. In the first game, Melvin Gordon averaged almost 5 yards per carry. In this one, the Chargers as a team with 19 rushing yards. You saw jet sweeps. You saw so many ways the Chargers tried to get the running game going. They just couldn't do it. And Phillip Rivers and the rest of the offense were just not able to convert third downs. And a lot of them were third in short situations. Once the Raiders got going, a big score before halftime, another score right before the half for the Chargers, which has killed them all season long, makes it 14-7, to and they just piled on after that, getting it to 21-7 to in the third quarter while taking eight minutes off of the clock, and that's just demoralizing, David, when you're trying to get back into a game, and the other team just keeps on getting those short four or five-yard runs, they keep converting on third down, the Chargers defense was out there all day, and they got worn down. And the offense just couldn't muster up enough to get the job done at the end of the day. And the Chargers offensive line had a lot to do with it. Missing Russell Okung showed up much more than we thought, especially in the running game. And you're just never going to win a game that you are that abysmal offensively. And the defense has its problems as well. But if that's Phillip Rivers' last home game as a Charger, that's going to be a damn shame because the offense was not good in this game. And it wasn't because Phillip Rivers was throwing interceptions.
4: You're right, Daniel. Phillip Rivers did a great job of actually protecting the football in this game. That was one of the keys going into this game. If they were going to have any type of success, Phillip Rivers was going to have to be better protecting the football, and he was in this game to his credit. I mean, the Chargers tried to run the ball early to, to try to take some pressure off of Phillip. They just did not find any success, and so I'm sure if the, the Chargers probably threw the ball a little bit more than they wanted to in this game, but they had to out of necessity, and because they threw the ball so often, they just didn't have that continuity, and they started to be very predictable. Now, unfortunately, they didn't have good success on third down, and in the second half, the Raiders made great adjustments. You know, they ran the football, and, and that really helped them get the ball down the football field. And the the defense was out there too long. Mistake after mistake. It's a typical Chargers game here in the 2019 season. They have a lot of work to do, Daniel, and... The work is going to start after this next game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Hopefully they can get a win so they don't go 0-6 in the division.
2: We saw what that stadium looked like today. The Chargers have not had a home field advantage even when they were 12-4 last season. And now you're seeing what the crowds look like when the Chargers have nothing to go for. They're out of the playoffs with a few weeks left in the season. And even the fans you had gone before aren't showing up now. So just a disastrous end to the Chargers season. Even if they win next week against Kansas. King- City, it's not going to make many people feel much better about it. The best you can do right now is a six and ten season if you're the Chargers, which is crazy to think about with the expectations they had on them before the season. Phillip Rivers didn't have a great game in this one, where you're saying he is the answer for sure in 2020. He didn't miss a lot of throws, but had to throw the ball away a lot. He made good decisions there, just having to get rid of it instead of just trying to throw the ball up there and make something happen. There wasn't that, but the Chargers offense definitely lacked a spark today, and Phillip Rivers and the rest of the Chargers offense were not able to overcome it. But we do have two more segments to get into, getting into our game recap and the biggest plays from this game before getting into our fan voicemail segment to wrap up the show and also talking about where the Chargers are now as far as their draft position Right before we get done with the show tonight. But we do need to get into the game recap. But before that, I need to tell you guys about our favorite car dealership. And of course, I'm talking about Metro Infinity. If you guys need to feel better about the Chargers' loss on Sunday to the Raiders, I have a good idea. You can go buy yourself a brand new car. I mean, who doesn't feel better after they get a brand new car? And you can find them right off the 210 on Monrovia. You have to check out their brand new multi million dollar facility and check out the amazing selection of new and used cars. They're the number one volume dealer in California and one of my favorite parts about them is that if you don't want to go into the dealership, which I don't really ever want to do, they will bring your new car and the paperwork to your home or office and you can complete the whole transaction there. They take pride in not being your typical car dealer where it takes hours to buy a car. They don't play games and they want their customers to have a luxury car buying experience. Trust me, these guys get it. If you guys are thinking about a brand new Infiniti or even in the market for any new car, please give them a chance to earn your business. You can call them at 626-599-7510 or at metroinfinity.com. And you can even save some money because right now, if you mention that we sent you over there, they'll give you an extra $500 off any car purchase on top of the good deals that they already have. So go down to Metro Infinity, guys. It's the only place you want to go if you're in the market for any new car.
0: limitations apply see terms at discover.com
2: slash credit card all right guys well unfortunately now it's time to get into the segment we do every Monday after a Chargers brutal loss and that is getting into a game recap where we go over the big plays and exactly find out where this game went wrong and we're going to start with the Chargers of course on their first drive going three and out which was set up by an early penalty on Trey Pipkin's who is playing in place of an injured Russell Okung. And, of course, that comes back to bite them almost immediately on the first drive. They gain 18 yards, but they don't get a first down because of the penalty. And, of course, what happens right after that, but it only takes four plays for the Raiders to get into the end zone with Hunter Renfro catching a short pass from Derek Carr on fr- starting on the 44-yard line. And Desmond King can't make the tackle what happens? Rayshon Jenkins has a beat on him, takes a terrible angle, misses the tackle, and as the last line of defense, that was pretty much it, David. He was off to the races and gone. A 56-yard touchdown to start the game for the Raiders offense and a 3-and-out by the Chargers offense.
4: I mean, can the game get off to a worse start, Daniel? I mean, my goodness. You start your first offensive series with two penalties back-to-back, which is ultimately lead to a three and out after that because just because you put yourself in such a big hole and then you go on defense and four plays later you let hunter renfro a not super fast wide receiver take it 50 plus yards to the house for a touchdown because you made an improper angle i mean these are the type of things that just tend to happen this year for the chargers those Miss tackles those bad pursuit angles. Another example here, the Raiders score and the Chargers already in a hole.
2: Yeah, and Rayshon Jenkins got absolutely toasted. I mean, some of it definitely goes on Desmond King. You want to have a better attempt at a tackle. I mean, he was right on him when he caught the ball, could not bring him down. Ends up with Rayshon Jenkins taking a really bad angle. But the Chargers defense would settle one. Unfortunately, the Chargers offense would not. And then the next drive, they go three and out again. They only gain eight yards. And then after the Chargers defense forces a punt by the, Ra- the Raiders offense after they gained 53 yards, so it's not exactly like they stopped them. But the Chargers get the ball back on their own 20. They go three plays, zero yards. So that's the first three drives of the game. Zero first down for the Chargers. They had no running game in this one. It starts with Melvin Gordon, a one-yard run. Melvin Gordon, negative one-yard run and then an incomplete pass by Phillip Rivers, and that's kind of symbolic of what this day was like for the Chargers. They didn't get their first first down until their fourth drive, and they only ended up with two first downs in their first five drives, which is just absolutely ridiculous. On the bright side, the Chargers' defense ends up forcing three Oakland Raider punts in a row before the Chargers' offense would strike back, finally getting something going. In the first half, they go down the field and they end up going 78 yards on a touchdown drive that ends up with Melvin Gordon getting in from one yard out. But it wouldn't have happened without Mike Williams. On third and nine, he ends up drawing a pass interference that gives the Chargers a first down. And then he also gets a pass interference called against the defense on him in the end zone when Phillip Rivers tried to throw him a little fade pass. It was kind of a ticky-tack call, but that gets it on the one-yard line. And the Chargers, right before halftime but not right before halftime, get into the end zone. Unfortunately, David, they left a little bit too much time on the clock. They ended up calling a timeout, not using the two-minute warning as you would like them to if you're trying to not leave the Raiders any time. And, of course, it bites them in the ass because of Gus Bradley's defense once again gives up points at the end of the half. So even though you get a touchdown to tie the game, you can only feel good about it for about two minutes because the Raiders go right down and score with only eight seconds left in the half. After last week, you give up a touchdown with seven seconds left in the first half. It's just almost been comical how bad they've been before halftime.
4: Well, yeah, and this is not a new problem. I mean, this has been an issue all year long. You would figure that they would try to do something to correct it. But first, before we get to their snapping defensively before halftime, you got to get to the clock management, like you said, Daniel. I mean you got to do a better job of of burning some of that clock and not leaving them as much time to be able to go down the field and and potentially score because they get the ball after halftime. I mean, the the commentators were talking about how that's a double-dip situation. That's why you want to defer so you can get the ball so you can try to score – you know, before half and then immediately afterwards. And that's exactly what the Raiders did. I mean, the Chargers allowed that to happen. And, you know, it started with the the bad clock management and then the defense just caving. But just a, a horrible sequence and a sequence we've seen far too often this year.
2: When the Chargers defense, when they go that pre when they start playing even softer than their normal coverage, which gives up about eight yards on any given play, I mean, what are they doing playing that type of defense there? Two minutes with all three of their timeouts is so much time that it's not keep the ball in front of you anymore. It's play your normal style of defense and get off the field. I mean, two minutes left, and you're kind of just letting them catch every five-yard out route and get out of bounds and stop the clock and let Derek Carr complete all of his passes until he gets down and scrambles for a touchdown, an embarrassing drive for the Chargers defense. And once again, it's a huge swing going into halftime and a huge swing coming out of halftime. Because, of course, what happens after you let that happen? They go down right for a touchdown. And they came out in the second half with an emphasis on running the football. They knew their offensive line was winning the battles in the trenches. And even though they weren't averaging a lot of yards per carry, the holes were there. They were getting enough yardage to create manageable third downs. And they were able to convert those third downs. On the next drive to start the third quarter, David, another sore spot for the Chargers offense and defense. The Raiders go 13 plays. 75 yards and a touchdown out of the 13 plays they only threw the ball four times they converted the third downs when they had to and they ran the ball down the Chargers throw and just like that instead of it being a 7-7 game with you running the timeout before halftime it's now a 21-7 game since the last time the Chargers really had a drive
4: yeah, no, I mean, just an absolutely terrible turn of events. But I mean, that's what happens, and that's what ha- has happened to the Chargers so often this year. I mean, that's why it's so important to try to stop them before halftime. It's just something the Chargers have been incapable of doing, and and the adjustments. I mean, you got to give credit to the Raiders. I mean. They decided, hey, we need to run the football and we need to be more physical. I mean, and they were. I mean, they ran ran the ball so effectively that that type of drive, thirteen plays, where you just run run it at will. I mean, those are the impose your type of will, statement type of drives that will help you win football games. And that's ultimately what you know provided the big enough gap for the Raiders to win this football game. I mean, they they made the adjustments where where they when they had to, and uh, again, the Chargers did not.
2: Of course, and that's one of the big issues that you take with this coaching staff is just all season long it just seems like they've never stepped up to the challenge of making an adjustment in ending halves or games well or coming out of the gates strong. I mean, they struggle at the beginning of the half and the end of the half. That really only leaves the middle part of it that they're even decent. And that's just the most frustrating part for Charger fans to see that. I mean, you come back, you get 7-7, you have the momentum on your side, and then by the next time you have a real drive that's not – Tyrod Taylor taking a knee in the first half that they already have 21 points and now you're at seven it's just incredibly frustrating and the Chargers do it to themselves because as the Raiders are converting all these third downs you have Tyrod Taylor coming out there for a wildcat with Philip Rivers out wide for some reason even though nobody believes that that is going to work on third and one and of course what happens they get hit for a loss Tyrod Taylor keeps it and it's just a total cluster and then didn't work at all. And it's just so funny to see them have to resort to that because of the struggles offensively when the Raiders are just getting whatever eight-yard completion over the middle or easy out route that they wanted all day long. And the Chargers would respond with a touchdown. You thought that they might be able to keep it a little bit closer because they went down on that drive. They go 10 plays, 83 yards, and it ends with another Melvin Gordon one-yard touchdown. But it was Phillip Rivers That actually led them down the field. I mean, passes to Keenan Allen, passes to Hunter Henry, passes to Melvin Gordon on this drive. They were actually moving the ball and looking good, and Melvin Gordon gets a 10-yard run, and which is crazy to think about. On fourth and two, the Chargers have to call a timeout because Phillip Rivers cannot get the play in, and that was really embarrassing. They end up getting the first down. Melvin Gordon has a nice run on the right side on a little pitch play. They finally get out of running it behind center, that wasn't working. I mean, nothing was really working. They couldn't even get the play in because the crowd was so loud. Basically, last week they were using a silent count. This week they have to call a timeout because I'm fourth down. The opposing crowd is so loud in your stadium that Phillip Rivers can't get the call in. It ends up turning into a touchdown. Austin Eckler has a big catch on the drive, but that's so demoralizing when you have to do that. And Of course, the Raiders took up so much time on their first drive of the second half that You're already running out of time at this point, even though it's 21-7. to The Raiders would end up tacking on a field goal on the next drive, and the Chargers, when they really needed it, they were down by 10 points. They go four plays, 10 yards, half to punt. That was pretty much the game. Phillip Rivers gets sacked for a 14-yard sack while Trey Pipkins gets a holding call, and even holding him. He couldn't stop him from getting there. And the offensive line is going to be worse than what the final stat line looks like when Philip Rivers only gets sacked one time. But at that point, David, it was too little, too late. The Chargers would tack on a field goal. But even in the drives where they are moving it a little bit, they just never seemed comfortable. And it didn't really ever feel like they were going to win this game.
4: No, it didn't. I mean, like I said, from just from the jump, you know, when they had those two penalties back to back, I was like, this is not going to be a good game for the Chargers. I mean, they're already starting off on the wrong foot and they never recovered. I mean, it was just a a bad game. I mean, if you're down with the tank, then you're happy because, you know, after all the dust has settled today, the Chargers now have the seventh overall pick in the draft next. They have a lot of problems they need to fix. And hopefully, you know, whoever is making those decisions comes in and really picks up players that can come in and contribute right away.
2: That's hope. And we're going to get into that in the next segment because the chargers did improve their draft position, but we do have some voicemails that we need to get into as well. Coming up right after this.
0: Hey guys, it's Joe Marino being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments. And what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first Black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former SportsCenter anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier.
2: All right, guys, well, it's time to get into our fan voicemail segment. And I don't even think the Chargers are making people as upset anymore. I think the Chargers fans have become kind of numb. Only two voicemails to get into today. Well, technically three, but Lamlock, I'm going to put the receipts out because, like you said, you were watching the game. We'll get into that. But we have Lamlock and Nick from Colorado calling in today. If you guys ever want to call in, make sure to call 323 524 7924. We'll do another voicemail slash Twitter question show later on in the week. Potentially, if we can work everything out around Christmas, it's going to be a little bit of a weird show, but we do have a few to get into today. So let's start with the cursed one himself, Lamlock, calling in saying that he didn't watch the game and the Chargers still lost. Hey, Lamlock,
3: um, Fort Drum, living in San Diego right now for two weeks now. Didn't even watch the game. Not even surprised, man. It's embarrassing. Embarrassing, embarrassing, embarrassing. Uh, I looked down at the score, it was like, well, 24-14, and I saw some plays, like, that uh, pushed down the third play of the game for the Raiders. Rashawn Jenkins just sucked. I told you, it's no curse, it's no curse, this team just sucks. Teams just bad, it's embarrassing. I'm glad this team's almost over, because I don't got to deal with it no more. I'm tired of it, and uh, go both. We'll see. I want to see what you guys think.
2: All right, well, I'm going to start by saying I want to see some proof of this somehow, I don't know if there's some security camera footage that I could see, but we do have you, landmark calling in last week. It didn't make the voicemail show because you called in too late, but you sure seemed like you were going to try to watch the game last week when you sent this in. Hey, it's Lamb Locke from Fort Drum, New York. You already know.
3: Or you guys call me the Chargers Curse, whatever you guys can call me. Anyways, uh, I'm going to be in San Diego this week, and uh, unfortunately, I got some bad news for you guys. I'm going to ship bag and watch the game with my Phillip Rivers jersey. Y'all can thank John Kegley for uh, sending me the middle finger on Facebook. So it's all his fault. So y'all can blame him. So I'm going to shitbag and watch the game with my jersey. But it's against the Raiders. Come on, man. I ain't going to lose to the Raiders. We ain't going to go 0-2. We can't go 0-6 this season
2: in the division. Come on. We got this, baby. I'm going to prove y'all there's no curse. And uh, go both. We'll see you on Sunday. All right, Landlock. I would never call someone in the armed services a liar. But uh, you sure seemed like you were going to watch the game. And by the way, the Chargers played, David. It's hard to think that Lamlock wasn't somewhere watching the game. I mean, maybe when you just looked down at your phone, maybe you saw it walking past the TV or something. But there, it's almost impossible for me to believe that Lamlock didn't have something to do with a game that went as badly as it did for the Chargers.
4: Based on what we know about Lamlock and the Lamlock curse, I think it's crystal clear. That he, at some point, was absolutely watching this game. I think he already told everybody with that voicemail that nobody heard until now that he was going to watch the game. I think the allure of being home in San Diego was too strong for him not to flip on the TV and want to see how the Bolts were doing. And it's clear that that happened because the Chargers were absolutely terrible today. And Lamlock, I'm sorry, buddy, but... We know it's your fault.
2: Well, and I mean, maybe this is just a variation of the curse. I mean, maybe it's not if Lamlock doesn't watch the game, it means the Chargers are going to lose. I mean, the Chargers can lose all by themselves. But if you call in and show it, a video to me next week of you watching the Chiefs game and then the Chargers win, then we can talk. Then we can maybe start talking about if this landlocked curse is real. But you saying you didn't watch it, it's not going to be enough for me to not think that you had something to do with it. But David, if he's watching the game next week in his Phillip Rivers jersey and the Chargers somehow beat the Chiefs, maybe then I'd become a believer.
4: Yeah, maybe then. You know, maybe then we might be able to think about an alternate conclusion but I'm sorry I don't see that as a possibility. I don't think that that's the case. It's definitely the Lamlock curse, but you have an opportunity next week, Lamlock. We'll see. We'll see if you're able to break the curse or if you prove that the curse is just a myth, but we'll have to wait and find
2: out. And it's not and we all know that. I mean, this is all really just a science experiment going nowhere because we all know it's pretty much all Lamlock's fault and I, I, even if he watches the game next week and they win, I don't even know if I'd still believe it then. But that's really the only way that I'd even consider budging off the point that I'm at right now with him. But we do have another voicemail to get into. This time it's Nick from Colorado who has one big question.
3: Hey fellas, this is Nick in Colorado. Uh, first and foremost, I want to say happy birthday again to Danny Wade. I did wish you happy birthday on Facebook, but last week I was a little bit too late to call because... I passed out drinking too much whiskey watching <laughs> last week's game and I almost passed out this game. Uh, my main thing I want to ask you boys is what one major change, I'm not going to ask specific things, but what one major change, uh, would you guys like to see going into next season? Uh, whether it be quarterback or offensive line or whatever it is, draft, whatever it is, one major thing. Uh, you'd like to see change. Uh, Bolt up. Love what you guys are doing. Again, happy birthday, brother. Uh, Take it easy. Bye.
2: All right. Well, thank you, Nick. I feel like you're bringing back bad memories from last week. I mean, you're telling me happy birthday today, and it's just giving me flashbacks of, you know, drinking myself into a dark depression last week after that game. But – This week, it was more of the same. I had to watch the game again, and the Chargers made me want to drink again. Luckily, I'm pretty numb to it this week. It wasn't my birthday, so I didn't have much to get upset about, and the season's gone anyway. So at the end of the day, no matter how frustrating it is, it's benefiting them in the future. And speaking of the future, it brings us to the next point, talking about if we had one big change, what that has to be. And there's many things you could go for. I mean, Tom Telesco has to be an option the coaching staff I mean sweeping changes through the coaching staff is an option you have quarterback decisions you have decisions that need to be made on the offensive line maybe Mike Pouncey ends up retiring are you cool with going with Dan Feeney Quest and and Forrest Lamp next year on the interior that's there's a lot of big questions David for this team in the offseason and we all agree that changes need to be made but if it had to be one change for you where are you going with it
4: for me, I think it's a change a change in philosophy. I think I've always been a big believer of building your team from the inside out. That means building up the strength of your lines, and the Chargers have never really done that well. I mean, they've picked up a couple of good guys here and there, whether it be through the draft or through free agency on either part, but I really want to see a commitment to improving the trenches on both sides, the O-line, the D-line. I want to see some Quentin Nelson type of guys on the interior, guys who are just going to maul you and and run you over. And I want to see maybe some established guys at the tackle position. I mean, Russell Okung is great. Hopefully he can stay healthy next year, but they absolutely need to improve at right tackle. I mean, I want to see them commit to improving those positions. If they do that, I think – they can absolutely change this thing around and make it everything look completely different
2: next season. And I think the offensive line is the biggest need on this team. So I think that changing the offensive line, even if you get a new quarterback next year, you're going to need a new offensive line. Tyrod Taylor is not going to be able to do anything behind that offensive line. Justin Herbert is not going to be able to do anything behind the offensive line you have right now. So I think that is the number one change and the number one thing the Chargers need to improve on going into next year and I think you're right I mean we've seen the Chargers spend a lot of draft picks on a lot of skill position players I mean I count Joey Bosa I mean he's such an athlete and such a big impact player it's hard to think of that as you know just trying to beef up in the trenches but the Chargers have really not put an emphasis on that and it's always come back to hurt them and that's how they lost Last season to the Patriots, they got bullied in that game. And it's been a continued effort this season. I mean, Russell Okung is not the long-term answer at tackle. But the one thing is now, David, with the draft position as it is, the Chargers are now seventh in the draft right now with everything as it stands. I don't see them winning next week against the Chiefs. That means there's not going to be much movement right there. But if you have a top 10 pick, you might not be able to get the best quarterback in the draft. But you sure as hell might be able to get the best offensive lineman in the draft for sure. Right, which will be able to help you change that help you change
4: that philosophy, Daniel. I mean, and that's what I think they need to do. They need to bring reinforcements no matter who's playing quarterback next year. That offensive line has to be better, and there's going to be a lot of talent in this in this draft. This this is supposed to be a offensive line heavy talent type of draft and hopefully the Chargers are going to be able to take somebody they can plug in and improve their offensive line immediately who whoever it is no matter who they are you got to get your guy when you have the seventh overall pick in the draft you got to get a guy who's going to come in and make plays and make an impact immediately
2: yeah, and there's a lot of guys to choose from. I mean, you have Andrew Thomas out of Georgia who's projected as a top 10 pick right now. You have Tristan Wirfs who's been up and down as far as the draft process, but he's been a guy everyone's been sold on as a you know future starting tackle in the NFL. You have Austin Jackson out of USC. There's a lot of ways you could go with it, and it'd be hard to mess that up, and maybe not all of them are ready to be picked in the first round that high, but at the same time, I don't know if the quarterback you're going to get at seven, you know, maybe Justin Herbert's still there and you're sold on him. Maybe Tua's there because I don't want this to be in any means. Like I'm sold on the chargers, not needing a new quarterback. I absolutely do think that whatever is going to happen with the quarterback position has to change this off season. And you have to know who is going to be your quarterback going forward. If you don't get the guy you like, then maybe you use Tyrod Taylor or Phil Rivers as a bridge quarterback, but a new body needs to get into the building as soon as possible so I think that is going to be a huge need and at the same time David if the Chargers did make sweeping changes if they did get rid of this entire coaching staff if they ended up firing Tom Telesco I think it's all warranted I don't think it's going to happen with Anthony Lynn one year removed from a playoff run but big changes need to be made and whether it's a new offense coordinator and defensive coordinator. Maybe you keep Shane Steichen, but if they wanted to go a full new coaching staff as far as coordinators go and get some different voices in here and get coaches that you feel like are going to make the necessary adjustments in games and actually improve your defense instead of just relying on the talent out there and making them go get it. I mean, the Chargers defense... Their numbers might look good as as far as yardage-wise, but a lot of that is because the Chargers turn the ball over and the other team doesn't have a lot of yards to go before they get into the end zone or in scoring range. Neither side of the ball this year has been good for the Chargers, and the changes made in the offseason have to reflect that.
4: Yeah, no, I mean, Daniel, they're moving into a new building next year. I mean, who's to say that they don't say, hey, let's just completely start over, let's start fresh, let's remove everybody Get rid of the whole coaching staff. Bye, Anthony Lynn. Goodbye, Gus Bradley. Goodbye, Shane Steick and everybody, and maybe a new quarterback, too. You never know. I mean, maybe they want to completely start over, do a complete 180, completely change the whole fabric and the whole image of what the Chargers are going to look like going into SoFi Stadium. Maybe they, they think that they're going to have to make these changes in order to try to grab some of that L.A. market that they have yet to be able to do so far. It's going to be an interesting offseason, Daniel. I mean, I'm really interested and excited to find out what they do.
2: Well, and people also act as if if they draft a quarterback with whatever pick they end up with, that's going to be the thing that saves them. I mean, you will need to at least evaluate quarterbacks that high because you're not going to get this pick this high very often. I mean, the last time we saw them pick this high was Mike Williams. And before that, it was Joey Bosa. So they have had some high picks and they've hit on those. And it's hard to really. You know, Give Tom Telesco a ton of credit for that because Joey Bosa, I feel like, was a can't-miss prospect. I don't think there was any way Joey Bosa was not going to be good. Help's the only question. Mike Williams, people questioned that pick. It was before Patrick Mahomes. As good as Mike Williams has been in flashes, you'd take Patrick Mahomes any day. So you have to do your due diligence. And if you think the guy's there, you absolutely take him. But I don't think you take a quarterback just because that's the guy that's there when you pick. I still think that you have to be more mindful than that and get somebody that's going to help your team the most. And if you're getting the you know third best quarterback and number seven, and he's not the guy, then that you're still stuck in the same spot you were, and you're putting him behind a bad offensive line. So many changes have to be made. The free agents class of quarterbacks, I know people are like Tom Brady. Tom Brady's not the answer. Andy Dalton's not the answer. Trading for Cam Newton, which is more unlikely now, are, is not the answer. I mean, it's just such a, a difficult situation. The Chargers are going to have a really tough time figuring out what they're going to do there. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. Thank you guys for coming back and listening after another heartbreaking – well, I'm not even going to say heartbreaking at this point, but another loss to the AFC West 0-5 now. But we really appreciate you guys coming back and calling in and still caring about the show. So Thank you for that. Until next time, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC LAC and to like the Facebook page, Locked On Chargers, as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. If you guys want to get your voices on the show, make sure to call 323-524-7924. Every Chargers voicemail gets played on the show and We'll get back to you guys soon this week. We're not sure what's going to happen this week as far as our schedule because it's Christmas on Wednesday, obviously, but we will have a few more shows out for you guys. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.
1: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.